And when you get there, you can stand with me. When you get there, you'll be wondering, what in the world is he preaching about? I want to say happy Father's Day to everyone. So thankful for everyone on Facebook watching today. I want to say we love you. Thank you for your support, not only visually, but uh, your support financially. Our church, our church body, whether it's through our website giving, through the kiosk, or, or people sending gifts, the church has been amazing through this period that we're going through, this season of time that we're going through. I want to say thank you. We love you guys. We appreciate you so much. I want to say I missed you. You think, Pastor, you didn't miss us. I missed you this week. I missed you this week. Not getting to see everybody. I know we've been meeting on Sundays only, but I still, still miss you. Miss Kim, she's just been playing hooky, and so she's finally in here. I'm just, you know, I'm just teasing. I know where she's been. Missing us, that's right. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 18. Wives, submit yourself unto your own husbands as is fit in the Lord. All the men said amen. All the women said, what are you doing? Verse 19, husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. And verse 20 says, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Father, I thank you for your word. We know that it's already anointed. I ask you, Lord, to anoint me today with the power of the Holy Ghost to speak the words that you would want me to speak to this congregation. Open our eyes and our ears to see, to hear, to understand what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. On this Father's Day morning, I wanted to tell you a story I heard. That one night a wife found her husband standing over the newborn baby's crib. Silently, she watched him as he stood looking down at the sleeping infant. She saw in his face a mixture of emotions, disbelief, doubt, delight, amazement, enchantment, skepticism. He would stand back and shake his head and say, amazing, while smiling from ear to ear. Touched by his unusual display and the deep emotions it aroused, her eyes glistened as she slipped her arms around him. She said, a penny for your thoughts. He said, isn't it amazing? When you really take the time and really look close, how anyone can make a crib like that for only $45.99. It's amazing. Just when you think your husband is tender-hearted, just when you think, wow, he's, he's got emotions like I do. No. He's looking at the woodwork. He's looking at the plumbing. He's looking at something else. Seriously, dads need positive reinforcement. You're saying, well, why would a dad need that? They do. One of the things that dads, I believe one of the biggest things dads need is reinforcement from their wives, from their family to know. I told Shelly one time, I don't know how true this is. I said, one of the number one things that I need is respect. I don't have to have my favorite this or that. I don't have to have this or that, this, this, this. Respect. Respect is one of the things we want. 
we need to encourage our dads to be all they can be in Christ. And there's no exceptions. When family brags on you or tells you that they love you, it makes you feel good. And I know you ladies are the same way. When Shelly walks out, matter of fact, she told me already, she went to the store today and she was in her church clothes and somebody said, boy, Miss Shelly, you look very nice. It made her feel good. It makes me feel good too. Somebody else told me this morning, walked in and said, Pastor, you look really nice today. And I said, well, thank you. This is what my son got me for his wedding. He didn't want me to wear my old suit, so he bought me something he liked. But when somebody brags on you, it makes you feel good. When your children hug you for no reason, it makes you feel good. And you're still waiting for the other shoe to drop. You know there's something to it. But uh, you're like, what is this about? This is so strange. Why is he hugging on me? And I say that teasingly because we, we've had boys that uh, that's the way they are. Carden right now is 10 years old, and he still comes up. And he'll just hug me for no reason. We'll be out in public, and I'm thinking, he's embarrassed to be with this old, fat, gray-headed guy that tells corny jokes. And he'll just be standing there, and we're in the store. Water. He'll just walk up and put his arms around me and hug me. I was like, this is awesome. We need that as fathers. We, we need that. And you know what? Our children need that, too. Our wives need that, too. Everybody needs that. But it's good to be a man. Some of your ladies are saying, why is it good to be a man? You're in luck. I made a list. Why it's good to be a man. Our phone conversations are over in 30 seconds flat. True story. A five-day vacation only takes a small backpack for a man. Our car was loaded. We just went to Florida. When we're clicking through the TV stations, we don't have to stop every time we see someone crying. I got to find out what's going on there. No, keep moving. We could. I'm like that Toy Story movie. They said, round the horn again. Just keep clicking. We'll catch it again a little bit. Here's one I love. Going shopping doesn't require spending hours in one store. A quick look inside and we'll know if they have something we need or not. No, not that store. We just keep on moving through the mall. Why it's so good to be a man. We could admire Clint Eastwood, Chuck Norris, without starving ourselves to look like him. Come on, ladies. You know that's right. Gray hair and wrinkles add character to a man. The women just dying it. And Shelly was telling me about a woman she's seen this week. She said, I looked at her. She looked like she's about 50 years old, beautiful woman. And she said uh, something to her and, and uh, talked to her. She said, when I turned away and looked at the rest of her body, she said she was wrinkled up like she was 85 years old. She said, apparently she's had some surgeries done. <laughs> I said, like, okay. She's getting rid of that gray and the wrinkles, I guess. Here's one I love. If another guy shows up at the party in the same outfit, you just found yourself a lifelong friend. <laughs> You're not embarrassed and had to go change. You're like, hey, right on. I love the clothes. Great minds think alike. How many of you know what day of the year the most phone calls are made? Anybody? Mother's Day? It is. It's the number one. Most phone calls are made on Mother's Day. On Mother's Day, everyone wants to call home, talk to mom. And they used to say, guess what happens on Father's Day? 
Everybody calls dad collect. So dad's still paying for it. Doesn't happen so much with the cell phones. I know that. But that's okay. When us dads are in the nursing home, retirement home, we're going to be the ones calling these kids back and say, hey, dad, hey, son, can you bring me this? Hey, son, can you bring me that? So I'm going to get them back eventually. It'll take me a little time, but we'll get to them. Father's Day, though, just doesn't seem to have the high priority compared to the other holidays, does it? Doesn't seem, to, doesn't seem to have that. Mother's Day is a huge deal. Forget Mother's Day, and you'll be in the doghouse until Father's Day or until Independence Day. Just Your mom's not going to let you off on that one. As a young boy growing up, I remember at Mother's Day, no matter where I was at, the mother was saluted. I mean, it, she just, a, a lot of our Mother's Day was spent in Boston, Missouri. And they made such a huge deal in Boston, Missouri about the mothers. And, and, and well, we should. I'm not saying that. But on Father's Day, all the preachers, we traveling around, it seemed like every, every sermon I heard on Father's Day was uh, telling what the dads should be doing and how he should be doing it right instead of telling the dads of the things they are doing right. I'm just saying that's the way it seems to have went. So today, dads... I want to tell you, you're doing some things right. You're doing some things right. First of all, you're in church. You're doing one thing right today that I know already without, without knowing anything else about you. I know you're doing that right. And just because you're a father, that doesn't mean that you know it all. It doesn't mean that you can't be wrong. I do my best to never show weakness and be wrong in front of my boys because as soon as they think that I'm wrong... They pounced. They're like vultures. Uh-uh, Dad, it was this day. And I'm like, no, it wasn't. It was this day. No, Dad, we were... So you try not to show any weakness because they just pounce on you. Don't they, Hans? They, they want to get you. I proved Dad wrong. Got him. Fathers hold a special place in our society, a much higher place than what they're given credit for in today's society. For instance, how many of you have seen a commercial that actually makes a dad look intelligent? You don't see it very often. You don't see it very often. They're always, the dad is always the, the dumb one. He's always the one that's got a problem. And uh, Most commercials cast fathers as the family idiot who can't figure out how to take care of the kids alone. I will tell you this. One day, Shelly went to work and been years ago and and I wasn't working that day and and the kids were young and I she said what'd you guys eat today and I kind of scratched my head and looked around and I'm like um I, for, I we didn't eat today I forgot and she goes what well, did you feed the kids I, no they didn't eat either we forgot about that so they, they wasn't crying so I mean they couldn't eat food they were old enough, they were out of diapers, so I figured it was pretty good. So I know that, that's, that goes on a little bit. But that's, they show dads that don't know how to do the laundry. I do the laundry. I do the darks, and I do the towels. I don't know how to do the whites and that kind of stuff. I'd bleach everything, and it'd be a mess, so I don't do them. Um, they don't know how to, the, to load the laundry, or they don't know how to clean toilets without specific instructions from mom. 
It seems like that every sitcom has a dad character that doesn't know what's going on, doesn't have a clue, and is just a punchline to all the jokes. American society seems to see fathers as expendable parts to the family. They're just expendable parts to the family unit. Nothing more than a donation to the, uh, to the mother to have a baby. They're deadbeats. And, and a lot of times they're just called baby daddies instead of fathers. Sadly, many men today are also neglect to see the importance of their role as a father. They fail to see that they, their children needs a father, which is why they have the term deadbeat dads. As a result, their kids are growing up in an unbalanced and dysfunctional household. In fact, 39%, 39.6% of the children in America are going to bed every night without their biological father in the house. Fathers need to be reinstated to the level of importance that God intended them to be. God is a God of order. He is a God of order, and he expects his children to follow that order. Guess who messes it up when it gets messed up? We do. We do. Fathers need to be reinstated. I believe there's more than enough evidence that points to the fact the reason America morally and spiritually, their, their integrity has just gone to pot, if I can just use that word. It's at an all-time low and declining value because of the role the father has taken in our society. I have seen a couple of videos of, of some of these mobs throwing things and doing different things. Like I've seen one video of a mom grabbing a boy in a mask by the ear and just yanking him down the street. She's lucky his daddy wasn't there to see it. Or maybe his daddy approves of that. I don't know. But we've seen a mama taking on a, a fatherly role right there and taking him out of that scene. When dad is undervalued, so is the right relationship with our Heavenly Father. I'm going to say it again. When dad is undervalued, when our earthly fathers are under, undervalued, so is our right relationship with our Heavenly Father. God never intended for this to be the normal. He never intended for these kids to go to bed without their daddy in the house. Today, my goal is not to remind our dads of their duties and responsibilities, but to encourage and remind us all of their importance. Men and women alike today, we need to realize the importance of the fathers in the home. Fathers play an extremely important and vital role in our families and in our nation today. You probably wondered why I was using the Colossians 3. And here's the reason why. It's simple. The Bible introduced the pattern for how things are supposed to be. This is the pattern or the model of authority in the family. Wives. Submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. I'm going to tell you, this is, this is written to believers. This is written for wives to obey Christian husbands. It is, with, without a doubt. But I can take you to First uh, Peter. I can take you to Ephesians over and over. This, this same theme keeps running throughout. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband. Over and over and over. How many know that Christian wives sometimes are not submitted to their Christian husband. Ouch, Pastor, this is Father's Day. It's all supposed to feel good today. We have to understand order. 
We have to understand order. And if we're not having order in the house, don't expect them kids to grow up right. Once again, ouch, pastor, what do you do? Don't expect your kids to grow up right. If you refuse to give the honor of the man of your house, wives, submit yourself unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. There's another verse that says, husband, love your wives as God loved the church. I always said this, that the husband has the more responsibility because think about our heavenly father and how much he loves us. And we have to duplicate that love for our wives. Husbands are thinking, but father, you, you didn't taste her cooking. You didn't see her wake up in the mornings and smell that bad breath. Father, you didn't. We're to love our wives as God loves the church. So we have a huge responsibility. Let me just say this first. Not first, but we're here in the middle now. If a husband is leading the home correctly, if a husband is living for God like he should be, it's going to be easy for a believing wife to submit herself to a Christian husband. So in terms of authority, the father is deemed the head of his household. In 1 Timothy 3.12, he is urged to manage his children and his household in a respectable manner. We always use this on the deacons right here. Let deacons be the husbands of one wife. But here's the next one. Ruling their children and their own houses well. Each Christian father should be doing this right here. This is not just for deacons. Well, that's just for deacons, Pastor. I don't have to rule them. They can just do whatever they want. No. No, you should position yourself to be a deacon. Amen. It's still a good word. So the father's in charge with the responsibility of looking after the best interests of his family, spiritually, financially, and socially. When a man becomes a father, he isn't given some sort of rule book on you know, how to conduct himself and how to raise his children. No one tells him how to manage the household. That'd be nice. That'd be, that'd be one of the books we'd have, Husbands for Dummies, you know, or all them books for dummies, that's, that's what we need. Learning how to manage your house, learning how to be a good father, he picks up from a few important resources. First, the way his own father treated him. And the first thing I can hear back in my mind is, well, you know what, you don't know my dad. I understand that. I lived a different life than a lot of people did. I had grandfathers. I mentioned a minute ago. I had grandfathers that lived for the Lord. I have a father that lives for the Lord. I have a father-in-law that lives for the Lord. So I didn't have a lot of the problems a lot of you others out there have. And this doesn't make me up here and you down here. It just means we're in a different position. But, you know, there's an answer for all of us still yet. The reason why I had grandfathers and fathers that led me to the Lord and led me in godly ways is because somewhere along the line... Someone got saved. Someone got saved and started sharing the good news and started leading their family in the way they should go. But the first way we figure out how to be a father is from the way we were treated. Um, second is what we learn from our relationship with God and by the Word of God. How's a father supposed to be in the Word of God? I can remember the sense of strength and protection my father displayed. He was always looking after his family. One instance, I remember I was in uh, Illinois, and I was asked to go play music. 
and uh, we were just at some family's house. I was asked to go play some music. I thought, yeah, that's all right. Let's go. I was probably 13, 14 years old, and I went over to this house and started playing some music. I was in the basement of this house, not knowing that I could be in danger, not knowing what was going on. And to my shock, here come my father walking down the steps of that house. I was like, what is he doing here? He said, Drew, come here. He took me out of a position that I didn't even know I was in trouble. He took me out of a place I should have never been. I'll just tell you, it was, it was, it was a bad situation. And I, I was unaware of it. But my dad, his strength and his protection. Now, I'm sure I got in trouble for not asking to go. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that, that was part of the, the problem. I didn't ask to go. But my dad walked in. He showed his love through his protection and his strength in that protection. My dad may not share the same tendencies as my mom does, but he showed his love equally and powerfully to us kids. We always knew that our dad loved us and wanted the best for our lives. People so often have the perception that dads don't love their kids as much as mothers because they're not as emotional, they're not as endearing. You know, if you're a foster, you gotta cry. So you're thinking, you know, well, your dad must have been a real crier. I remember when Taylor went off to college one day, and they make fun of me all the time about this, went off to college, and uh, I was just sitting on the couch one Sunday afternoon after church, and uh, I was thinking to myself, hey, I'll just have Taylor run and get some Doritos and cheese dip. We're having Mexican dinner. That's what it was. And uh, I turned around, and I said, hey, Ta-, and I didn't get his name out, and when I did that, well, then I just started crying, started weeping. Well, of course, they all started making fun of me. What is wrong with you? What's going on? I said, I miss my son. They said, he just left yesterday. <laughs> Shelly said, good riddance. Get him out of here. <laughs> Send anyone down the road. Make sure he has enough money not to come back for a while. Dad's love in different ways. But they express their love when they guard their family and provide good things to their wife and kids. Dads play a great importance in a child's life. I remember my dad taking my brother and I outside and teaching us how to be wide receivers. You obviously see it didn't work. But he'd tell us, he said, take off running, run out five steps, cut to the right or left, you know, whatever he'd do. And he would, we would do what he said, and he said, turn your head around quick. We'd do that, and when we turn around, he'd have the ball. He'd already threw on it, and it was right there. On he taught us these different things. He taught us how to catch, how to hit, how to throw. Taught me how to shoot a basketball. Taught me how to shoot a gun. Taught me how to shoot a gun at a basketball. Taught me how to ride my bike. Taught me how to drive. Driving the snow, driving the ice. My dad even had a a big part in teaching me how to play guitar. He showed me all the chords and everything. So afterwards, if you need lessons, just go to him. He'll he'll gladly show you how to play guitar. My dad taught me how to take care of my family by being an example. He wasn't perfect. I'm not perfect. But he gave me an example to follow. Our children, our children are watching us, dads. They're looking at us every day. They see us get up and go to work. They see how we talk to mom. They see how we talk to other people. They're watching. 
I've been saying that, it seemed like all year long. We're leading someone to heaven or we're leading somebody to hell. They're watching us, dads. They're watching what we deem as important. Because you know what? The things that are important are the things we're going to do. They're watching to see what you think is important with your actions. Hmm. Let me find my notes. I keep getting off my notes. This is an easy one to preach, and I wrote it all down, but then I have to get back to them, or you'll hear the same story again. Our children see how we conduct our business, how we handle ourselves in the good, the bad, and the ugly. If we sit around and complain, they're going to sit around and complain. I've caught myself in this so many times. We're driving down the road, and I'm, has anybody ever seen the movie Truman? It's a Jim Carrey movie, and, and the, the premise of this movie is he's living in this town made for TV, and the, the, there's a camera on him 24 hours a day, and that's what they're doing. Every time he, he decides he gets older and he wants out of this town, he's never been out of the town because it's just a, a movie studio. And so every time he pulls out of his drive, they create traffic so he can't get out of town. Every time. So we're in Destin this past week. I'm Truman. I pull out from our condo there, and it seemed like every time it just like, there just cars on every side of me. I was like, and we're doing five miles an hour through town over and over and over. And so I'm complaining. Oh, well, apparently that 2020 Lexus right there doesn't have signals. Well, apparently they don't have brake lights. Well, apparently they, you don't have to signal in Florida. Well, apparently you don't have to cross in a crosswalk. You can just walk out anywhere. As long as you have an inner tube on your arm, you can do whatever you want. That was my week, all week long. They were in scooters. They're in golf cars. They're out on the highway and, the, and all these things. I'm like, well, apparently they can do that. Apparently, the next thing I heard Cardin say, well, apparently someone said, hey, shut that down. <laughs> no complaining. We're on vacation. We're not going to listen to that. They're watching us, Dad. They're watching us. We sit around and complain. They're going to sit around and complain. If we're kind, good-natured, positive, and generous to people, they're going to follow in our footsteps. It may be a while before we see them acting and carrying out these good traits. But if you keep leaving the example in due season, you're going to see it happen. Out of all the things my dad taught me, the very best thing he taught me was about living for the Lord. He taught me how to pray. Not by giving me an instruction. I didn't take a class with him teaching me and showing me on the chalkboard, this is how you pray, but by his example. By his example of praying, we have to be that example. Moms, dads, we have to be that example for our children. We're, we're losing something in today's society. Kids don't know how to pray. I don't know how many times in youth kids would come up to be prayed, and that be prayed for, and they have no idea how to pray. You had to lead them. They didn't have a parent to do that. We have to lead them. My dad showed me how to live right. And I, and I, this is about dad today. You know, you could throw my mom in the midst of this too, except she doesn't. Th she throws like a girl, but she didn't teach me that stuff. But parenting, this this is for everyone. And I, I want to tell you, church was not the only place I heard about God. Church was not the only place I heard about God. I heard about God. Every day, every day in our house, 
in our bus, our RV, when we were traveling around. I heard about God every day. One way or another. If you lie, you're going to hell. I don't, I don't want to go there. I got my mouth washed out with soap so many times. Sometimes I get a craving for palm olive. Don't know why. I was taught. I was taught. It was better than the SOS, Pat. I will say that. I knelt down close to my dad one night in church and wasn't on purpose. It's just maybe he come knelt down by me. I really don't remember. But I can't. I'll never forget his prayer. He's a Christian man, evangelizing, preaching every night, and he got down to praying. He said, Father, if I did anything to offend you, if there's any sin in my heart, would you forgive me? Well, my prayer stopped, and I was like, what? You're a preacher. What are you, what are you doing praying that prayer? And as I grew and learned, I realized, you know what? we got to keep coming back to our Heavenly Father over and over and saying, God, if there's anything there, anything that's keeping me from you in our relationship, would you forgive me? God is someone that took first place in everything we did growing up. And I'll tell a quick story. We went to a church in St. Louis, and the pastor there, his name was uh, Pastor Good. And uh, being a huge Cardinal fan growing up, I listened to the radio all the time. We didn't have the televisions like we do today where you can watch a game anytime you want. And uh, this pastor said, we were leaving after being there in revival. He said, hey, next time you come back, I'll take you to a Cardinal baseball game. And I'm sitting there like looking up at my dad and like, really? See, what we didn't do in our house, I assumed was a sin. We didn't drink Pepsi. I thought Pepsi was a sin for a long time. I'm just telling you. My dad loved Coke. He didn't want any Pepsi. He said Pepsi tastes like a flat Coke. I come to agree with it. So we get on the bus. We start to take off. And I said, Dad, can, can I go to a baseball game with him? He said, sure, son. I said, is baseball not a sin to go to a game? He goes, no, it's not a sin. I said, well, why haven't we ever went? He said, you've never asked. <laughs> I remember this scripture, though, 1 Thessalonians 5.22. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Well, we didn't go to the baseball game. It must be evil. We were staying away from it. Must be evil. I love this. and I just got... I'm throwing this one in for you here. The word appearance right there in the translation, uh, it means edius, which literally means form. So abstain from all form of evil. My parents taught me right from wrong. We stayed away from sin. We stayed away from it. I remember my dad would let me clean out cars at the body shop. My grandpa had a body shop. Help carrying in equipment and setting up sound equipment when we were evangelizing, when most of the time I knew I was probably just in the way now, because I've had my own boys and realized they were in the way. We were in a camp meeting in Ohio. We were setting up singing. The, the, the sanctuary to the camp meeting was open air, had a roof on it, but the sides were all open, and the floor was slanted in concrete. So our speakers that sat on a stand had to have a board underneath it to make them level. Otherwise, they'd be like shooting up. Taylor was a little boy, and uh, he's going to help his pawpaw out. And that unloading equipment and stuff, that was a big deal. You had that bus, and you just felt like you just something, pulling that equipment out and putting it back. You just felt like a big boy doing that stuff. 
And that night we had some two-by-fours under them stands. And uh, Taylor loved baseball. And Pawpaw pulled that speaker down, that stand. Taylor picked up the two-by-four for his Pawpaw and took a swing and hit him right in the shins. I would imagine that was the kind of help I was to my dad, too, when I was little. Hey, Dad, watch this swing. Boom. I threw my... Well, this one was easy. Like I said, it took me a week. But I had story after story. I remember in Illinois, I had to tell this, we lived on a farmhouse, and uh, we'd have to go out and get water every once in a while on this five-gallon jug. We'd go out to this pump house. I'm not that old. I'm only 53, but... They still had a pump house. I'd go get that water and bring it in. And I said, oh, I'm going to love telling this story because it was uphill in the snow out there and uphill in the snow coming back to the house. I just wanted to tell that one. Maybe not, but that's the way you remember it anyway. Hauling water, doing chores, it didn't matter what it was. It taught me discipline and developed my character. Good men learn how to be good dads from healthy relationships with their father. I know we're, we're getting close to the noon hour, and I'm, I'm going to wrap it up in just a minute. I know everyone didn't have the examples I had. My grandpa's, my dad's, but since almost 40% of kids grow up without dads in a home, we know there has to be another source or an example for developing dads. And we have that example, and it's Jesus Christ. The best dads take their example from Jesus Christ and pass the legacy of the Lord onto their family. The legacy of Christ's love is the greatest gift a father can give. And to be like Jesus in the way we manage our household is the greatest expression of love a dad can give to his family. When Peter asked the Lord how... They're going to pay their taxes. Jesus told him to go to the fish. There'll be money in there. He gets a coin out. It taught his people at that point, God's the father of provision. When he fed the multitude with the, the few loaves and the, the bread and, and, and the, the loaves of bread and the fish, he provided an example of a father who provides the needs of his family. He commanded dads today to do the same. First Timothy 5 and 8. But if any provide not for his own... That own right there means relatives or family. And especially for those of his own house, that means his immediate family, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Or infidel right there is interpreted unbeliever. This means work for your family. Take care of your family. Not only your immediate family. They're in the first part. But if any provide not for his own, his own, his relatives, family, stuff like that. We just want to take care of ourselves. Me and no more. Okay, me and my wife no more. Okay, me and my kid no more. We have, we have an example here we need to be following. Dads have an awesome responsibility of providing for their family. Our egos are wrapped up in our employment so much of the time. We're ashamed if we're unemployed. The brunt of the responsibility to provide for the welfare of the family unit, in most cases, rests on the shoulder of the husband. We know that's been changing for years. Dads are always striving to maintain a balance of providing for their family and spending quality time with their family. Scripture teaches us that there has to be balance in our lives. I remember one day Taylor did something wrong, 
And he had been asking me over and over and over to do something, and I kept putting him off because I had other things to do. And finally, he said the wrong thing, and he got a spanking. Okay? And there's a big difference in spanking and getting beat up or whooped or abused. Okay? And he got a spanking that day. And after I spanked him, sent him out of the room, God wore me out. He said, that's your fault. And I was like, no, God, did you see what he said? Do you see how he, he said, that's your fault. He tried to get your attention one way, and he couldn't, so he got it another way. Dad, you need to listen. They're going to get your attention one way or another. Because men are hardwired with the desire to provide for the family and make a good home for their children, there are constant struggles to maintain a balance between our giving of our time and giving of our things. Shelly, would you come back? A man constantly has to look to God for direction and example on how to manage his household. we got to realize our time is not only valuable to our employers, it's valuable to our kids. And sometimes it doesn't take much. Again, I have a great example on a 10-year-old right now that constantly, constantly, constantly wants something. We are down in Destin, you know, he took, I think, $70 with him or something. He made him some money. He was going to go down there and spend his money. Do you know he went through his money just like that? And then it was, Dad, take me to Ben and Jerry's. Dad, take me to Hagen Dash. Dad, take me to the snow cone. Dad, take me to the frozen ice plate. Dad, please stop. You're wearing me down. Not in a good way either. Not that you're going to get your way. But we had to give them the attention they need. And sometimes just a little thing. Hey, Dad, you want to watch this Alf with me? I sat down and endured 30 minutes of a man in a puppet suit running around named Alf. And it makes him happy because we're doing something together. Proverbs 3 and 11 says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor dis his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. There has to be discipline. Fathers have to discipline their kids. You can discipline them. One of the worst things I can do to Cardin right now, and I'm picking on him right now, is saying, Cardin, I need you to be quiet for a while. He would rather take the spanking than have to be quiet. Can I do something else, Dad? I don't want to be quiet right now. Just be quiet. You can't, you've run out of words for today. Stop using it anymore. You're borrowing from somebody else. You're done. A young man was making poor grades in school, particularly in math. His parents tried various things, none of which seemed to produce the desired improvement. Finally, they decided to enroll him in a Christian private school. At the end of the first grading period, the man came home. The young man came home and proudly presented his report card to his parents. They were shocked to find that all of his grades had greatly improved. Most noticeably, he had received his first ever A in math. His parents were overjoyed and began to question him to determine what it was that he had finally produced an improvement that they had been looking for for so long. They asked him, was it the non-traditional teaching methods of the private school? The boy said no. They said, was it the smaller class sizes and the more individual attention? And the boy said no. Well, then what, what caused a, such a big turnaround, they asked. 
The son replied, when I walked into the school on the first day and the first thing I saw was that man nailed to that plus sign, I knew I better take math more seriously. Discipline. Discipline. 